ability for me to be able to compare my animals and, and my relevant data set to Richard's on that scale and his use of a bigger genetic pool has some real wins for me to be able to identify yeah, how my animals are stacking up. But by benchmarking, we've also had to collect measurements and, and it's probably those measurements that we've collected and completeness of the picture that really starts enhancing and makes those decisions that we might pretend or assume we know the answers to. The Informing New Zealand Beef Program is a seven-year sustainable food and farmer futures partnership supported by the Ministry for Primary Industries, Beef and Lamb New Zealand and the New Zealand Meat Board. It aims to boost the sector's profits by $460 million over the next 25 years. The program is on a mission to give breeders and farmers the tools to produce great-tasting beef backed by a strong environmental story while at the same time improving production efficiency. Throughout the Informing New Zealand Beef podcast series, we will be diving into the detail of the program to help farmers and the sector improve the performance of the New Zealand beef industry. Well, kia ora and welcome back to another episode of the Informing New Zealand Beef podcast series. I'm Sarah Perriam Lamp, your host for this series. The Informing New Zealand Beef program has been a seven-year sustainable food and fibre futures partnership supported by MPI, Beef and Lamb New Zealand, and the New Zealand Meat Board aiming to boost the sector's profits by $460 million over the next 25 years. Over this episode, we are going to meet with Patrick Crawshaw, farming with his wife Isabel at Partoka in Hawke's Bay, also a Beef and Lamb New Zealand director, and Richard Schofield of Whangarau Farms near Gisborne. Both will be known to many of our listeners, but their involvement today, particularly on this episode, to do with the programme. So welcome to both of you. Um, Patrick, I'll start with you. Firstly, congratulations on becoming a recent director of Beef and Lamb New Zealand. How important is Beef and Lamb New Zealand genetics to the organisation? Yeah, thank you very much, Sarah. Um, oh, it's, it's pretty massive. Like, I mean, if we think about the R&D that Beef and Lamb New Zealand undertakes and, and specifically Beef and Lamb New Zealand genetics, it's sort of one of the big underpinnings of a lot of the direction and success that the industry is able to take. And so, yeah, it's, it's quite neat to be obviously a part of this process. I was part of the Informing New Zealand Beef Programme before board directorship. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just point out that um, conflict of interest early. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a massive part of us being able to achieve some of our goals for the future. Yeah. Richard, you've been involved with Beef and Lamb Genetics probably from its inception. I can try and remember back in the day in the role of General Manager of Whangarā Farms. It's a huge operation, Whangarā. Um, tell us a little bit about Whangarā Farms and the involvement with the beef progeny test. Cheers, Sarah. Uh, look, so, so Whangarā Farms has got 9,500 hectares and we run about 85,000 stock units. So yes, we were one of the founding sites uh, for the original Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics uh, Beef Progeny Test. And basically, so over, over a period of about seven years, we were closely involved AIing up to you know 1,100 cows and then following that progeny right through um, either back into the herd or, or, or back or, or to sale and getting all that data, carcass data and stuff like that. So look, hugely valuable and valuable for us um, in our own herds as well as you know for, for, for the breeders involved. Patrick, why is it so crucial that we look after the long-term profitability of our beef sector and how does genetics play a role in that? 
Yeah, I mean, Richard and I were sort of having this conversation the other day while we were up in Gisborne, and obviously the the place of the beef cow in the New Zealand farming system is pretty pretty backseated, and probably not really giving her the true opportunity to to express a bit more profitability. And so, um, while we're under these pressures and and um, take the current financial climate lens, we we say we need every every mouth to count and add profitability to the system. And I'd probably well, there's been a bit of work trying to put a value on the value of the cow outside of just your direct income streams and, and how that supports the sheep um, sheep enterprises in these systems. But if we're going to yeah, deal with our precision ag or precision livestock farming and address those opportunities going forward, we need every piece of the system um, performing at a really high profit profit level and in um, feeding them and, and allocating resources to be able to achieve that. Since your original uh, involvement, Richard, where do you see the major opportunities are now going forward? I mean, the major opportunities for us probably is just around a little bit like what Patrick's talking about around cow efficiency. So how efficient your cow and and, and making sure that your replacements or heads or replacements that you're coming into your herd are the the best best genetics and, and the most efficient to take your herd forward. Oh, look, I think, you know, Patrick made a comment about, you know, focusing on the cow. And I think, you know, for, for a long time, um, until probably 15 years ago, the cow was just used as a tool uh, for me anyway, personally, in my management style and, and how, how we ran the farm. And, and they were there to groom the pastures for sheep. But, you know, over the last 15 years, a big focus on the cows have, you know, we, we've doubled our, our profitability with our, out of our cattle side of our business and looking after the cow and, 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 and so a bit more of a focus on her condition scores and things like that. I mean, there's, there's huge potential to, yeah, to, in, in our case, we doubled the value um, from our cattle business. It's interesting, isn't it, Patrick? Because, you know, when you're in your own farming operation, you've got your own tools and data to focus on how much you have improved by. But to be able to benchmark against other farmers, that's when the rubber hits the road. I could only imagine. How does being able to benchmark through this program sort of elevate where those opportunities lie? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the opportunity to look outside of your gate, you when you put, put your tunnel vision on and you, you're just managing within, it's quite tricky. And um, if we compare scales between Richard and I, I, I've got this year we're going to carve down 90 females. And so when, when Rich is speaking to a thousand being AI'd, that economies of scale is quite an opportunity, particularly when you speak about genetic populations. But the ability for me to be able to compare my animals and, and my relevant data set to Richard's on that scale and his use of a bigger genetic pool has some real wins for me to be able to identify yeah, how my animals are stacking up. But by benchmarking, we've also had to collect measurements and, and it's probably those measurements that we've collected and completeness of the picture that really starts enhancing and makes those decisions that we might pretend or assume we know the answers to. We can be found wanting and, um, and we've got the ability to benchmark. We could assume we've got a really high performing cow herd or high performing finishing enterprise but until we yeah can truly take the environmental aspects out and, and compare that with our peers in the industry is where we um, can start seeing some really obvious gains to be made. It's interesting isn't it Richard for um, the Informing New Zealand Beef program now with this real focus on the the value of beef genetics more and more so for the commercial farmer uh, you talking about being able to double profitability how do you think we can influence uh, sheep and beef farmers to put that level of value beyond a progeny test into real life commercial viability of having a real focus in this area? 
Yeah, look, it's been it's a, it's a challenge, you know, and and you know, both buying bulls and buying range, you know, for for the average farmer, you know, you know, it's been a day out to go and have a steak sandwich or you know a few beers and and select a ram or select a bull. I think it's you know for me personally anyway, it's about you know as farmers we don't get a lot that we have a hundred percent control over, but we do have a hundred percent control over the ram we put out and the bull we put out, and so I think it's a I guess it's learning a little bit, you know, and I, I guess you know as part of the progeny test we have we had field days and their farmers come and have a look, and so as farmers like to touch, I feel and actually have a look at it and see what's going on. I think it's a little bit of education. So we probably as, as a as a sector need to need to probably educate more around the potential gains from just putting a particular ram or a particular bull out across your ewes or across your cows. And I think that's that's where it is. And just actually the value you can, you can gain by having those better genetics. And it's also selecting the, the right genetics for the operation that you're running. And I think that's really important as well. So um, so you, identifying where you need to add value or what you know, what EBVs or breeding values you need to focus on, and everybody's different, and then focusing on that, and then making sure that the bull that you buy is, is fit for purpose to provide that genetic outcome for you. As interesting too, Patrick, with a lot of sheep and beef being pushed further and further into the hills, there's been such a focus on what these calves are going to look like at these weaner sales more than what they're going to do uh, for a finishing. But you are interconnected breeder and finisher. So does that change the game and how you um, look at those different decision-making tools when you actually have a more sort of self-contained model? Yeah, I mean, we recently saw probably 200 to 300 head of stock outside of our red stock component. And so, yeah, we, we probably get a bit of bit of both. We, we certainly see the lens of both, but that completeness of picture is really quite quite an interesting one. And um, just to pick up on what Richard was saying around the education, like if you imagine as we start going down this genetic pathway and learning about where we can extract further value from our beef system is, we then need to start treating these animals a bit like the high-performance animals or compared to an athlete, yeah, that they really focus, so say an all-black, they really focus about their nutrition and, and what they put in to be able to get the outcomes that they want. And so that education piece for for me and my finishing system is there's some intricacies around how you manage progeny by bulls and, and that genetic direction you're taking and how that can then influence ultimately what finally lands on the plate of the consumer. And so, yeah, just to touch on that education piece, like I've probably still got a, a little way to go and um, or a long way to go actually in terms of understanding how that genetics interacts with the environment and my management system to, to ultimately get to what I want to be as a really exceptional product on the plate. And so, yeah, that, that complete picture of me being able to see conception all the way through to the final product is, is a long and, and time-expensive process. But, yeah, we've got to start on that pathway of knowing and start shaping that direction and, and um, shortening our ability to get to a new ge- um, genetic direction quicker than what we currently have been operating at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Rich, you've got to feed those genetics and understand how that to to get the most out of those EBVs, I could only imagine. Are we starting to see the opportunities lie around feedback loop back to breeders in regards to how those progeny have been doing and, and at the scale this program can inform better genetic selection at the top? 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think this is the start. So, and the more, not most of you, more people on board, which we can grow it. I, I look at the, um, the Irish system where, where, it, where they have that, that's in place. And so, regardless of where you are in that value chain for that animal, you can feed into it, you can then follow it right through, right through to, to, to freezing works or to, to quality grading and things like that. So, I think, you know, that's really, I reckon it's really important and, and it's a big opportunity for us. But I mean, it, it is small steps. I mean, we, we've got to get people on board and, and, and the more data that we can collect, the, the, the more value that we can add right across the whole value chain. I guess, you know, transparency is key though, too. So, you know, sometimes our, our, our value chain has been quite, well, not very transparent and people have, you know, try and, I don't not so much hide the information, but, you know, don't like sharing that information. Whereas I think we need to look at it, we need to get over ourselves a little bit and have a look at the bigger picture. And, um, and, and if we can be more transparent, then we'll all add value right through that, right through that value chain. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, our meat processors want to keep the sheep and beef industry profitable and bankable, so they have a future to keep them operating just as much as well. So I can only imagine. Just to round up, Patrick, what's your advice to farmers listening to this podcast episode about how to get involved, even if they are a commercial farmer of any size? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you just got to reach out. It's got to start at small beginnings, but um, yeah, I think there's been a quite a robust process around making sure the template's quite applicable and, and easy to adopt into into yeah, as, as big or small commercial operation as there is. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a process of reaching out, and we ultimately the values in um, when you when you're speaking about genetics, the values in the size of the population and the information that goes into it. So the, the bigger that population is, and in the what and the vastness of the genetic diversity and, and the accuracy of the information going in that's where we're going to see some real gains and, and that's where the momentum's picked up from so um yeah we need a we need a great opportunity um fulfilled by by our peers in the in the farming sector to get on board and, and help yeah create this this direction that we need to go in i was sort of if you think about the g- generation interval of a of cattle yeah it's quite long and so if that's 10 years that might be a third or a quarter of my farming career and so the sooner I can get myself to to be in the genetic position that I want to be in to execute um, for the consumer the the better it is because um, time is over the essence when we're speaking of the generation interval that cattle have. Yeah that's a great way of um, putting it Patrick. Richard your advice? Uh, look I mean I think you yeah, reach out get involved I, I think just quickly, like on Patrick's comment about the generation interval, it's interesting when you analyse it. So a decision made to put a bull over a cow or a heifer will basically have an effect on your herd production, profitability, performance, you know, for at least 10 to 12 years. So I think when you start analysing this and actually ever think about that decision, you know, then that, that, that adds to the importance of it. But I think, yeah, reach out, ask, you know, I think we need to probably get away from the traditional thinking that, you know, a bull's a bull, a ran's a ran. You know, if it's a black bull, it's a good angus and, and, and things like that. And, and to dig a little bit deeper and have a look at not just the phenotype, because it's really important to have a phenotype that fits your, um, you know, your, your environment and your system, but just the genotype. So think outside the square and actually start, you know, start thinking about, you know, how can, can I improve my performance? You know, from a, from a gene, genotype perspective, I'd certainly encourage that. Look, I think just have a think about the value that you can add and, and, and about that decision that you can make, which is one that's 100% yours and, and to have huge influence, you know, over your performance and your profitability. And I think, you know, just, yeah, I mean, there's there's good there's a good um, group of people within um, Bexham and Genetics. And I think just, re- even if you have to just reach out to them, and, and there's also people like myself that want happy to have a yarn on phone or, or whatever and get some advice. And I suppose lastly, don't be scared of AI to, to increase your, uh, 
you know, to get faster gains. You know, we, we were quite nervous about doing an AI system across a large number of cows, but, you know, it's just, it's not a drama now. Six-time AI is just part of, the, you know, part, of our, part of our system now and, and all our staff are on board with it and that's not a major. So I think, yeah, don't believe everything you hear. Probably it's the, it's the, it's the point behind that. Oh, absolutely. And all it goes without saying how fast the genetic improvement in the dairy industry has been because of that exact fact. And so therefore, in your 2024 bull sale rounds, be looking for that untapped profitability that is in your catalogue, not uh, about what that's going to look like in your paddock. Um, Thank you so much, Richard and Patrick. Amazing to have you on the Informing New Zealand Beef Programs podcast. Proudly brought to you by the Ministry for Primary Industries, Beef and Lamb New Zealand, and of course the New Zealand Meat Board, all set to boost the profitability of the sector by 460 million over the next 25 years. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know that you are excited about seeing where the positive impact of this program will go, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes that are in the making. 